So this afternoon, I'd like to talk about generosity and compassion. Um, not long ago, I was on a retreat and I got a, um, a tea bag quote, and it said, aspire to inspire before you expire. <laughs> and so I'll, I will attempt that. <laughs> Last night, Gil um, introduced the paramis, 10 paramis, and in the Mahayana tradition, there are six paramitas, six ways of compassionate living. And I'll just mention them because they are a combination of the Theravadan ones, generosity, discipline, patience, joyful exertion, meditation, and wisdom. And they still have the same principle that all of them are compassionate ways of living. All of the paramis, as Gil was speaking about last night, are accompanied by wisdom and compassion, the two wings that support the bird of that's composed of all of the paramis, so there can be um, an easy and balanced way of flying, that our whole being is a balance of all of these qualities. And as it says in the suttas, for my welfare, for the welfare of others, and leading to peace. So again, it combines that um, assumption that we're out of compassion, we're doing this for the welfare of the world. And the heart and mind are filled with three things. The capacity to let go, kindness, and compassion. And those actually are the three wise intentions of the Eightfold Path. Renunciation, kindness, and compassion. And so I love how in all the groups that the Buddha um, teaches, everything is um, interweaving with everything else. So this qualities of the heart-mind of letting go, kindness, and compassion take us beyond the tendencies of attachment, aversion, and confusion, beyond having to get caught up in ourselves, get um, have these illusions of separation that we are, that this culture is supporting and helping us to be comfortable with uncertainty so that we don't hold on so tightly. So they're all ways of releasing, of needing, this tendency to need, acquire, resist, um, of impatience, of being attached to our views and opinions. It's all supporting us to release that, to release the holding on that's causing suffering. And so, as some of you know, um, in the Second Noble Truth, the cause of suffering is reactivity and clinging. And what helps, the antidote to that is letting go, releasing. And so, all of the paramis are an antidote to that. And when they're developed and balanced, and when we connect, feel this connection and fully in life, it becomes natural to live from the place of the paramis. However, our culture is contrary to all of that. We live in a culture where we're encouraged to acquire and to um, believe negative things about others. It's a culture of divisiveness, and it encourages fear and mistrust. Um, and so it's, it's um, to cultivate the paramis is um, supporting us to be able to see ways of not being so caught in that culture that's conditioning. 
And so that's why as we continue to explore this week, we will talk about what blocks our ability to be able to release, to open our hearts, and ways of looking at the fear and the lack of trust and finding ways through that. The lack of trust that comes through not feeling safe um, in many different ways. So we can build connection rather than separation. So that's really a lot of what this is about. First in our hearts and then in our thoughts and our actions that we can move beyond um, the constriction of our culture to find um, ways of building bridges and the possibility of harmony. The Paramis begin with generosity because the Buddha felt that it's the easiest to practice and that everyone, every single person, in some ways, gives. Um, It's natural to give. Maybe some of us only give in situations that are extremely (laughs) favorable, but there is that tendency of giving in everyone. And the Buddha described it, generosity, as the best path to liberation and as the doorway to perfecting peace. And so it comes before all the other paramis. And it's a powerful antidote to all of the difficulties, personal, collective, universal, all of them. And through practicing generosity, we actually become intimate with our tendencies to grasp. We start to see where it is that each of us are holding on. David Loy, um, who teaches um, a lot of Buddha Dharma, he talks about how in the older cultures, in the ancient cultures, the surplus of the harvest or whatever it was, was offered to the needy, or it was offered to the gods. And then he says, but here now, particularly in Western cultures, surplus is God. (laughs) And so that's what we're worshiping, (laughs) is acquiring (laughs) surplus, more than we need. And so because our culture is about getting and acquiring and becoming, That increases inequality, as you know, and it also increases separation, where we can't relate to each other. There's fear. And um, generosity, there are two Pali words for generosity, as some of you know. Dana is the giving out of material things, of time, attention, presence. It's... um, It's distributing that. And it was um, the first thing that the Buddha taught was dana, distributing in in whatever ways to people who'd had less um, of time and so forth. And the other word is kaga, and I may not be pronouncing that correctly, but that is more literally a relinquishing, a giving up. So it's releasing that grasp on things, Um, a profound letting go that doesn't seek anything in return. So it has those two aspects of it, the materially giving and then also relinquishing. And it's relinquishing self-centeredness, relinquishing certain identities, not holding on to them, giving up, so to speak, having to become a certain way um, in order to have value. Buddha Dasa says, if you can't understand not-self, you can understand through non-selfishness. So that releasing of all the identities that prevent us from seeing clearly. Interestingly to me, compassion has two elements to it. There are two different words from, for compassion. 
One of them is Anukampa, and the other that you're more familiar with is Karuna. And Anukampa is the listening and the Kuan Yin action of listening to the cries of the world. So it's the receptive quality, the heart quivering in response to um, suffering internally or externally, inner suffering, the suffering in the world. It's that sort of quivering of the heart. It's not um, a tight contraction against the cries of the world. It's more just that open, being moved by. Um, So it's not a resistance, it's a receptivity, um, receiving. And empathy itself, you could call it empathy, is an act of generosity. It's being there, receiving our own pain and the pain of others. Fully receiving. Karuna is the action of responsiveness. It's when we receive and hear, it's how we respond to that. So it's dynamic. It's the Empathy and understanded, understanding are transformed into some form of action. This is Christina Feldman. She says, commitment to heal, it, she's calling Karuna, the commitment to healing suffering when it can be healed, to uprooting the causes of suffering when they can be uprooted, and being steadfastly present in the face of sorrow and pain that can have no end. So not needing for it, for there to be an outcome particularly, so we're not acting for a result. We're simply being here, how we're acting and being here, however it is, with compassion and um, with empathy. So we're building the capacity, the ability to be with pain, with difficulty, our own and others, no matter what, whether, we, it, whether it's, quotes fixable or not. And that's a great gift to be able to do that. And some of you may have heard me tell this particular story before. But one of my friends is a palliative care physician and so sees a lot of people in very difficult states. And she told me about a young man um, who was in his 30s and all his life up until that time had been a success. He'd done well in college, he had a good job, he had a partner and two wonderful children and he was happy with his life. And then he got diagnosed with an incurable terminal illness. And so he was now in hospice. And he was so distressed. He was angry that this had happened to him. Why me? And he was in a place of, he couldn't bear it. He was kind of raging against it. And it was too painful for his family to be with him. And it was really hard for the nursing staff because in his pain he was acting out and being verbally abusive. And so it was very difficult for people to be with him. And one night they were feeling desperate. And then my friend remembered this young man who worked on the streets with people who went through impossible times and asked him if he would come in and sit with this young man. And so he did. He just sat there with full presence, being there, and listened to this young man, just being impossible and going through all this stuff. And he just stayed there. Didn't go away. He didn't try and um, talk him out of it. He just was present all night. And finally, um, the young man began crying and crying and crying. And then finally, he was exhausted and fell asleep. And the poor young man who had been listening to him was able to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Um, And the next morning, um, it was as though a transformation had taken place. 
And the young man said to um, the street worker, you gave me the greatest gift. You never gave up on me. You never left. You were here no matter how awful I was. You were here. I felt you. And he was able to then be there for himself. He couldn't do that. He couldn't be present and compassionate for his own pain. But because the other man was, he was able to let go and feel the suffering and then allow that this was how it was. He was going to die. And so um, compassion and generosity together give us that capacity to be with ourselves and each other, no matter what. So they're so intertwined, those two, compassion and generosity, to, and wisdom, because it's the understanding of this is how it is. The illness, the political situation, whatever it is, we may not be able to change, but we can be there with full presence and compassion. And when we are there with full presence, there's a way that, and compassion, there's a way that generosity spontaneously arises. So what I'd like to talk a little bit more about is what we give. What, what is it? What is generosity? And the first thing is we give the gift of fearlessness, of people being free from fear. That's the gift of the precepts that you took last night. And that's an amazing gift, the freedom from fear. To be able to, um, may you not fear me. May I not fear you. <laughs> may neither of us be afraid of each other. May all of us give that gift of freedom from fear to ourselves and to each other. So the precepts really are these incredible gifts to honor life, to share resources, to respect boundaries, to take care with our difficult energies, to give the gift of speech that's true, kind, um, wise, um, appropriate, the wise, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> useful, that was the word I was trying to find, useful and at the right time. It's a great gift. And also to be kind and generous to our bodies, um, to give our bodies the attention of taking care of them, putting into our minds and hearts what's healthful, beneficial. And we give ourselves and each other, gradually through generosity, the gift of unconditional love. And that's hard. But it's simply beginning to be friendly to ourselves, being our own best friend, being there for ourselves no matter what, with respect and compassion, no matter what our experience, whether we're having a difficult moment or an easy moment? Can we be um, there without judgment? I'm having a really disgusting, <laughs> um, jealous moment, arrogant moment, whatever it is, and being there for ourselves without judgment. And the wisdom piece comes in because we're understanding that this is a moment that's changing. We aren't the greedy one. Greed is arising and passing. Wisdom sees that. And if we give ourselves full presence of mindfulness, we understand that. This is a greedy moment rather than I'm greedy. He's having an I've lost it um, angry moment rather than he becomes the angry one in our mind forever. And the 
deeper our acceptance is, the safer it is to be honest with ourselves because we're not afraid of our own judgment. So we can look clearly and honestly, oh, I really lost it. That wasn't so skillful. We're able to let that in rather than becoming the bad person. So we're afraid to look at what's there and what's arising. So it's a gift to cultivate a non-judgmental mind. Um, and then compassion again naturally arises. So this gift of presence is really important, the gift of pure presence, even if it's for five minutes. So just explore with that now. For a moment, give yourself the gift of full presence, knowing what it's like to be in this body, this mind, this heart, and to see what that feels like to not to need anything to particular to happen or to have your experience be different, but just kind attention, moment by moment. Whether you're having an impatient moment, a bored moment, what's it like, the gift of presence? And when I give myself the gift of presence, I notice a bit of relaxation in the body. And I notice a voice that says, oh, you're talking too much <laughs> or too fast. And so <laughs> there's a gift of knowing, oh, well, maybe that's true. And so there can be a little course correction. <laughs> um, so adjusting and there's the gift of it's okay um, for things not to be to c can be to be rebalanced without taking things personally, um, and that's really helpful. We can notice as we give ourselves that attention. What's the attitude in the mind? Is there an attitude of resistance? or of allowing when we give ourselves that kind of attention? Is the attitude in the mind generous or is it stingy? We can notice that too. So what does it mean to be generous to yourself right now? What would that be like for you? It might be fully receiving the breath, fully receiving sensations, emotions, thoughts. Just this, as Gil was saying, or this too. This is what's here too. Or maybe there's some story going on or some judging going on. And there could be um, a relinquishing of that. The two words I like are not now. I like alternating not now with this too. <laughs> Either way round. To notice, is this generous? No, not particularly, not now. And then we can um, recognize the resources that we already have. We can bring into awareness the fact that we have particular strengths, some of us patience, or it might be a sense of humor, or um, of perseverance or kindness. And so recognizing those and by allowing their presence, that's also a gift. We're shining the light on the qualities that are strengths rather than looking for what's wrong. So appreciating their strengths rather than judging the deficiencies. 
we can give ourselves the gift of space. Having spaciousness around fixed beliefs or doubts or whatever it is, or restlessness, sleepiness, rather than contracting in. Um, That way, if there's a difficult mind state, if we're more spacious around it, we don't have to avoid or judge or attack it so much. There's more space for it to come and go. We can have a generous, open mind state rather than a frightened, contracted mind state. There's more space. We can offer understanding rather than judgment. And I know I keep saying that, but it's so conditioned to offer judgment. I'm imagining you notice that. Um, And can the default be to begin to offer understanding and spaciousness? I'm here for you. It's okay. You can do it. (laughs) Um, Supportive rather than I'll never, I can't. It's okay to take a break. We don't have to push through physical pain or emotional pain. Can give ourselves a gift of a space. Sometimes we can find on retreat that we're really caught in something difficult and there's a belief, I have to sit through this no matter what. And sometimes it's the gift of, this is too much right now. And we might need to be outside to open our eyes, to take a break, to do some kindness practice. And we begin to sense for ourselves, to trust ourselves, What do I need right now? What would be generous to myself? Not confusing generosity with indulgence. (laughs) Well, what would be really good right now is if I went and slept for the afternoon. Maybe that might be true. And sometimes we have to explore to find out. And it's only after the fact that we realize, well, maybe that was generosity tinged with 50% indulgence, or maybe it was 90% indulgence (laughs) with a flavor of generosity. And what's generous is to not judge that we over, you know, we, we erred on one place more than another. The generosity of exploration, of discovery. What is, what, how would the path unfold for me more peacefully, more skillfully. So we're free from having to get it right. We give ourselves the gift of not having to get it right. What a relief. Rather than, I have to get it right, this is how it is right now. What would be taking care in this place? Sometimes we come on retreat, Um, I know this is true for me, and was for a number of years, and there's always at least an hour, and in the past even a day, of mistake in my life review. I don't know whether any of you have had that. (laughs) You review all the mistakes in your life, and the more you do it, the more you find. (laughs) And it can be very unpleasant. Um, And yes, it's true that our practice is a purification. So some of those things that we haven't been able to face do arise. But carrying them and identifying with them is suffering. And so with compassion practice, and so we give ourselves the generosity of forgiveness rather than blame, of compassion rather than self-hatred to ourselves or to another, of caring rather than judging, of understanding there were causes and conditions that led to that for me or for another. May we both be held in compassion. And so 
I, I love talking about generosity at the beginning of the retreat because it's helpful as we move into the retreat to remember these pieces. Oh, I'm lost in blame. May I give myself the gift of forgiveness, of taking care rather than judging. So we're not giving up on ourselves. And it's both the dana and the kaga part of generosity, the releasing of pain for repetitive patterns and the gift of being held in compassion, of empathy. And then the heart starts to free and there's a lightness. We don't have to carry that particular burden anymore. And there's the gift of stillness rather than reactivity. It also teaches us where we're attached. We start to see where it's difficult to let go or it's difficult to give. Where do I hold on to preferences? Sometimes with me, for me, it's preferences regarding food. (laughs) I don't like this (laughs) and I don't like that. Rather than the being spacious and the gift of contentment. It's a gift to be without preferences. (laughs) Life is much easier. Um, Or to having my walking space. This is the space I always walk in and somebody else has come there. This was mine. (laughs) The gift of sharing that walking space or sitting in that particular place in the dining room to notice where we're attached, where it's hard for us to let go. To release our fixed ideas about people. That's another one. That's a beautiful gift, to be able to let go from my view. We see the blocks then that help us or that prevent us from being able to be generous. And it's really useful to see those and have compassion for them. Whenever we feel anxious or afraid or threatened in some way, it's hard to be generous. It's, it's, you, you feel, um, there's a feeling of, of um, insufficiency in some way. And it's hard. It's difficult. And we tend to contract and hold on. If we're caught in judging and comparing mind, it's hard. Or there's some kind of inner poverty. Maybe we didn't receive love when we were younger. Or we didn't receive enough nourishment in some way, so it's hard to give in material ways. Any way that there's been an inadequacy of nourishment, generosity isn't easy for some of us. Some people may have had an inadequacy in, um, in being nourished on a physical level, but they received a lot of love. And so then being able to share their resources, even though they didn't have enough, um, is, comes naturally. Um, and so it can, there's all sorts of mixed causes and conditions that lead to that. Um, whenever there's inequality in a society, very big inequality, it, it can be, generosity can be um, difficult. Often it's really clearly known that in societies where there isn't inequality, especially societies where there's poverty, there's a lot of generosity. People know what it's like and they share with each other. And so it's whenever there's a inner poverty that it becomes difficult. Not enough love, not enough power. It may be um, a def- an insufficiency in agency. Um, there are all sorts of ways that we feel, or being seen, um, many, many ways that um, need healing. Um, there's a cultural delusion for 
um, some in North America, of not enough, not enough achievement, not enough stuff, being good enough. Um, when the Olympics, Winter Olympics were in Canada a number of years ago, um, the newspapers were full of the people who got the gold medals <laughs> and not seeing that all the people who were competing had already achieved enough. <laughs> you know, if you're only, um, you only get the, the value if you got a gold rather than the sense of um, everyone is, um, is worthy of attention. Um, I can get carried away with this, so I'm going to stop for a minute. <laughs> but um, um, David Loy um, co coined the word "wego," and that's the collective ego. <laughs> and so it's being aware of the cultural impact of a society and our capacity to be generous and to share and have compassion for others. Um, there's a quote that I like um, from the Diganakaya. Um, Thus from the not giving of property to the needy, poverty became rife. From the growth of poverty, the taking of what was not given increased. From the increase of theft, the use of weapons increased. From the increased use of weapons, the taking of life increased. And from the taking of life, people's lifespan decreased and their beauty decreased. And so even though I've read that and heard that many times, it always sinks in on another level. Just it's so simple. How the reverse, the sharing and the generosity and the increase of willingness to see each other truly increases our beauty and increases our capacity for joy and for happiness. So there are two kinds of rare and precious beings, those who give and those who receive. It's a gift to receive because that receiving of another's generosity really opens the giving both ways. Um, we were talking about generosity in one of my sitting groups a number of um, a month or so ago, and someone came and reported that she realized she'd um, given her space in the traffic line to somebody else, and then she said, "But he never even acknowledged me," <laughs> and <laughs> how. <laughs> that she had an expectation of acknowledgement, so it wasn't unconditional giving. But it also spoke to um, the joy when somebody does acknowledge giving. There's a, there's a, um, a back and forth flow of receiving and giving. Um, and I like to tell this story from, again, um, someone I knew who was um, a healthcare professional single mom with very busy life with a teenager and her teenager invited she came home and her teenager said oh I've invited so-and-so for dinner and her initial reaction was oh no I just want to space out I don't want to you know have to make dinner and interact but she remembered that this teenager's mother was having a hard time because the father had a, a serious illness and so she kind of went ahead with it. 
and then she found herself really enjoying these two young people and their conversation. And so after um, they'd gone to bed, she realized she was feeling good. And so she wrote a letter to um, this other mother, and she said, I just wanted you to know what a great job you're doing parenting. Your daughter's such a beautiful young woman. And um, and and she sent the, went to bed after sending the letter, and the next day she got a letter back saying, I was feeling so hopeless and despairing. That just, I've had the best sleep I had in, <laughs> you know, after getting your, your, your email. Um, thank you so much. And so she felt really good, and she thought, wow, that was amazing. She went to work, and she noticed one of her ca- co-workers was really looking down, and this was a woman who mentored a lot of other um, nurses in the workplace. And, and so she thought, oh, um, that gift really worked. I'll, I'll do this again. And so she wrote a letter to this person. And she said, I wanted you to know how much I appreciate the job you're doing mentoring people, young people for the future. And I know you haven't been getting any recognition. And again, she got a letter back. <laughs> you know, again so much gratitude. Um, and so the feeling back and forth of receiving is um, really brings a lot of joy to everyone. This appreciation, the gift of appreciation, and the, then the gift of being received. And um, my own personal experience from traveling on the bus, which I do quite a, a lot in, in Vancouver, and it's busy, and often the drivers don't get much appreciation. You know, people are busy and so forth. And this one bus driver was being friendly to everyone, sort of interacting, saying something, waiting patiently for um, an older person to get off the bus. And then someone who was a homeless person was sort of staggering a bit, getting on, and couldn't find his pass or whatever it was, and the the driver just waved him to a seat, you know, was really friendly. And so when I got off, I just said, you know, I really appreciate how you've been today. It kind of made my day, um, you know, just seeing your generosity. And the driver turned to me and said, you've made my day. Nobody's ever appreciated me before. (laughs) And so it is that exchange. And even though we're in silence here, we can have that sense of appreciating each other. If someone next to you is crying or distressed, that's sending out of empathy, not worrying about them or contracting against it, but just, oh, we're here for you. We're not trying to fix it, but we're here for you. And people feel that. And then they can allow the difficulties to move through, knowing they're being held in compassion by all of us here. So we're sharing our gifts. When we do metta, we're receiving the deepest well-being. Just receiving that. And we're offering it to others. Loving-kindness practice is a gift. Receiving. So trust gradually begins to develop within us. We start to trust more and more. It's possible to be with the most difficult things when we give ourselves the gift of compassion and acceptance and the gift of knowing It is possible. We can do it little by little. Or the gift of knowing, I don't have the capacity right now. It's okay. We don't have to force anything. And while we're here, we practice with mindfulness, kind attention, friendliness to each moment. And each time we do that, we're building the muscle of generosity. Another moment conditions another moment and another moment. 
So one of the gifts that I really find helpful and that's been a big learning for me is being able to be fully present with another and release, give them the benefit of releasing fixed views or opinions I might have about them. Like I see assumptions rise in my mi- come up in my mind about a particular person, the political view or whatever it is. And being able to pause, give myself empathy if, I've re- if I'm reactive, and give full presence to the other person, seeing the possibility of understanding and releasing fixed views. It's such a gift we can give each other if we can release fixed views and be open to the possibility of seeing the goodness in each other. Even if the, if the different um, expressions are very difficult and we don't see um, a possibility of um, a solution, we can still be open to that and give each other full attention and understanding. And that's been a real practice for me, noticing how easily I can get caught and first giving empathy to myself and then being able to be open to really understanding what's going on for the other person, as well as for me. So the Buddha also spoke about a person gives in five ways, out of faith, with respect, at the right time, truly generously, and without denigrating the other. So we're infusing it with the intention to let go. And we're also doing it in a way that is um, open to the fact that this is um, an exchange. There isn't really a separation between giver and receiver. So then it's not an act of charity. as some would say, it's the universe rearranging itself. It's not um, a competent, um, fully resourced I giving to an unresourced other. This is um, an understanding of all those places within me. (laughs) It's not taking on an identity that may not be um, accurate. It's just this flow of um, exchange. So at the deepest level, there is no giver, no gift, no recipient. There's just this movement and openness and compassion um, that is um, we're able to find that some moments and um, also understanding that we can have many, many motivations in the, in the Dharma and in some other traditions. There are levels of giving from beggarly all the way to kingly or queenly. <laughs> and um, I could talk about those in detail and I'm giving you self the gift of not doing that. Because <laughs> I have a tendency to want to share everything, but without acknowledging what's happening for the other. And so needing to know, is this the appropriate time? Is this too much? What might the other actually need, rather than what do I think <laughs> that they need? So it's an att- the gift of attunement. What's the what's appropriate. Um, So it's a beautiful quality to explore and to fully see how intertwined it is with compassion. We're practicing um, 
to really come home to ourselves. So for this week, to give yourself the gift of full presence. Presence for yourselves with friendliness, with each other with friendliness, without judgment. And if you notice judgment, the gift of non-judging the judgment. The gift of being with how it is, whatever our experience. And to sort of question this evening, what would it be to, what would be a gift to myself? What would generosity be for me? What would that look like to my body, to my mind, to my heart? What would that feel like? And really feel into that in deeper and deeper ways. What it would actually be like to be truly generous to this one as well as the others. And so I'll end with this um, from Bhikkhu Bodhi, um, who has um, these offerings for each of the paramis. May I always be generous and open-handed, giving to others the threefold gift of Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, in all the levels of the meanings of those, in accordance with their needs, joyfully, with a heart free from the taints of selfishness, and with a heart overflowing with kindness and compassion. So I'll say that once more. You can let that in. May I always be generous and open-handed, giving to others the threefold gift in accordance with their needs, joyfully, with a heart free from the taints of selfishness, and with a heart overflowing with kindness and compassion. And of course, in the Dharma, that always includes ourselves. We're not separate from other, from life. So may we all appreciate and benefit from the fruits of generosity, of giving and receiving.